Hello, you're listening to A Little Bit of Lagen, a podcast about finding a more balanced, sustainable and mindful approach to living. Taking inspiration from the Swedish concept of Lagen, a moderate choice between extremes, the podcast explores how this philosophy can be applied to all aspects of your life, to improve your well-being, the well-being of others and of the planet too. My name is Marla and in previous episodes we've already discussed some areas that fall under food ethics. For example, how food production and waste is contributing to climate change or the plastic packaging companies choose to use for their products. To put it simply, ethical eating involves being consciously aware of the environmental concerns, economic issues and industrial influences that would have resulted from the foods that you consume. Ethical concerns can include the wages of local farmers, sustainable agricultural methods, food wastage, the carbon footprint of food production, welfare and much more. In this episode, I want to focus on the ethics of food surrounding specifically the welfare of humans and animals and the exploitation that occurs in many areas of food production. This episode actually proved a really difficult one for me when researching. I'm an incredibly empathetic person and anyone who knows me will know that I am very sensitive. So when reading into things that are happening to other people and animals, even things that I was already aware of, I still find it very emotional, especially when realising and contributing to an unethical practice. It makes me want to do everything that I can to avoid any suffering to any living being. Taking food ethics seriously, then, requires that we don't simply take a stand on one ethical position, such as veganism or plastics or fair trade. It requires that we try to take into account all of these different values involved in our food choices, that we consider all the consequences and look at the issue more holistically, trying to decide what is the better choice to make, all things considered. This can be a really tricky area as it can often feel like trying to decide which is the lesser of multiple evils. Sadly, there are very few products that are readily available, which are plastic-free, vegan, produced locally, provide safe working conditions and provide fair wages to pay their workers, and also being within your price range. I definitely had a time where trying to make these sorts of decisions was really anxiety-provoking, as I kind of make myself feel guilty either way, buying veg which is locally sourced in season but it's in plastic, or buying a plastic-free alternative that's been imported and I can't be sure if the workers are being paid fairly. There have been times I've found a brand that I thought was quite ethical and I liked it and it was affordable, and then later down the line I find out that the workers are being exploited for example, or animal testing is a part of their product production. Or sometimes we aren't even in a situation where we have the luxury of making a better choice as a more ethical option just might not be available. I found this sometimes with ingredients like palm oil or trying to buy something not in plastic or trying to get something local. It can really be a massive challenge. I started to feel like whatever choice I made was a bad one rather than seeing that I'm becoming much more aware of the choices that I am making and I'm trying to do what I can to make better choices, where I can. And this should really be encouraged to be seen as a positive step and 
yeah, we should kind of recognise our achievements for what we have done and not always focus on what we're unable to do. I want to share a quote by athlete and civil rights activist Arthur Ashe as he wrote, start where you are, use what you have and do what you can. By balancing the strength of your principles and the reality of your life situation in practice, you can implement really positive changes. It comes back to focusing on what you can do rather than what you can't and recognise that these small changes that we can all try and implement, they really do add up and make a big positive difference. I really want to emphasise this, especially when looking into some shocking research and statistics which are very hard hitting. I'm not talking about them because I want us to feel bad or guilty, but because as hard as it can be to hear sometimes, we need the information to motivate actions in line with our morals. And remembering that we don't live in a perfect world by any means, and some of the unethical practices aren't directly in our control. But there are things that we can do to improve things, and we really need to remember that. There are so many areas to cover, far more than I'll be able to touch upon in this episode. It barely feels like I'll start to scratch the surface. But raising awareness needs to start somewhere, so hopefully this can be of help. I really just want to start emphasising the point that some actions we may do now that feel normal are actually rooted in something quite extreme and incredibly unethical in the practice. And maybe some approaches that you previously considered extreme, myself included, you can then begin to see how really they're more of a balanced and compassionate approach to take. Viewing this shift towards a more slow and sustainable consumption is our collective responsibility and we all have our part to play in this. So the first thing I want to chat about a little bit is chain companies and like chain restaurants, fast food, that kind of area. Farm workers and chain restaurant employees are in some cases among the most exploited people on the planet. Fast food and chain restaurants can be ethically very problematic purely because of the sheer scale and pace of their production and consumption of products. It's really not sustainable in any way. The main driver of fast food is the idea of fast, cheap, convenient products. And with this convenience comes a lot of ethical concerns. Disposable materials like plastic, unfair pay. When products are so cheap, it's usually due to the workers not being paid anywhere near an adequate wage, exploiting them and also exploiting resources in the process. For example, land being deforested, extensive water usage, transportation and when animal products are involved, incredibly intensive farming practices are the norm. The sad reality is that the larger chain companies often end up caring more about profit and keeping up with their competitors than they actually care about the welfare of their workers, the animals and the planet. But just as a reminder, this actually puts us as consumers in a position of power when we avoid purchasing from unethical companies and educate and encourage others to do the same, their loss of income will hopefully motivate them to make the changes we want to see, whilst also supporting more ethical companies in the process. So just to talk a bit about the deforestation problems within chains, because there's so much demand and so much product needed, the clearing demands are shocking. 
UK supply chains and restaurants and even some supermarkets they source products like chicken from Cargill which is a huge food trader um, and it's been heavily criticised from deforesting lots of areas. Among other things it's a major trader of soy-based animal feed. There's evidence to suggest that it's buying soya from other areas that have been recently deforested including parts of Bolivia and Brazil's Corredo forest. The biggest European customer of Cargill's is actually McDonald's and in an interview with The Independent, Glenn Hurwitz, a chief executive of Mighty Earth, stated that despite the positive past steps McDonald's has taken, everything we know about their suppliers suggests they're still chock full of deforestation. With regards to deforestation, not only is it the biodiversity of plants, animals and insects that's decimated by the obliteration of rainforests, more than 6 million indigenous people who once lived in the Amazon forests, there's now less than quarter of a million. So the number of indigenous people has reduced drastically from 6 million to less than a quarter of a million. And you can see how this is a massive humanitarian issue as well as a climate issue and in terms of animal ethics, they're all interlinked so closely. Also, a large percentage of cancer treatment medications are derived from the rainforest, but less than 1% of tropical rainforest trees have even been evaluated for their medicinal benefits. This means that every single second, as the rainforest is being deforested, we could potentially be losing a cure for any number of currently incurable diseases. As well as this, when we look into uh, the fast food industry, animal cruelty and factory farming is also rife in this situation. And we'll talk a bit more about this later on. One Green Planet state that the food industry is to blame for a lack of access to safe drinking water and the death of more than one million children a year. An unbelievable 780 million people lack safe drinking water along with billions more that lack access to basic water sanitation, causing waterborne diseases and death. The food production industry accounts for a huge 70% of the world's water usage. As a result, communities are left with an insufficient supply of water, and many indigenous tribes have been forced to relocate. Pesticides and other pollutants used by the industry also compromise water quality. In attempt to battle these challenges, many companies are creating policies that reduce water usage and you can find more about these on the One Green Planet website, which I'll attach in the notes below. Kip Anderson, the author of Sustainability Secret, states that livestock in the US consumes seven times as much grain as is consumed by the entire US population and the grains fed to livestock could feed 840 million humans who consumed a plant-based diet. So this goes to show that farming practices aren't just an animal rights issue, but a humanitarian issue as well. So human exploitation occurs in so many different areas of food production. For example, many workers in the cashew industry earn as little as £1.70 to £2.15 per day and suffer with debilitating burns on their hands as they aren't provided with gloves to protect them from harmful liquid that comes out of the cashews. And also with avocados, for example, 
Much of the fruit produced in Mexico is controlled by drug cartels, where farmers are forced to give up a percentage of their income, risking their lives if they don't. So these are really serious issues for the workers, and through our choices and consumption, we have an impact of whether this is continuing. I found a really great website called the Food Empowerment Project website. And this website has so much information of all different areas of food production, other environmental concerns, and there's so much useful information there, so I'd advise you check it out. On this website, I found a lot of information out about chocolate and the production of chocolate. In recent years, a handful of organisations and journalists have exposed the widespread use of child labour and in some cases slavery on cocoa farms in Western Africa. The farms of Western Africa supply cocoa to massive companies like Hershey's, Mars and Nestle. And this has revealed the industry's direct connection to the worst forms of child labour, human trafficking and slavery. On average, cocoa farmers earn less than $2 per day, an income which is below the poverty line. And as a result, they often resort to child labour to keep their prices competitive. Most of the children labouring on the cocoa farms are between the ages of 12 and 16, but reporters have found children as young as five. And all of these children working as cocoa farmers, they have to use so much unsafe equipment like machetes and chainsaws, and they're also exposed to agricultural chemicals. There's a lot of this that I don't think I was fully aware of, or if I was, I definitely been being very ignorant to it and we as consumers play an essential role in diminishing the food industry's injustices. Child slavery on cocoa farms is a really difficult issue to fully address because the problems are in practice all over the world. So the best thing we can do is to try and buy fair trade if we can and there's a list on the food empowerment website about the better brands to purchase chocolate from so I'd suggest having a look at that. Another thing that I wanted to talk about because so many of us consume this is coffee. Coffee farmers typically only earn 7 to 10% of the retail price of coffee, while in Brazil workers earn less than 2% of the retail price. To earn enough to survive, many parents pull their children from school to work on the coffee plantations, so it's a similar story to what we just looked at in the cocoa farming. Child labour is widespread in coffee cultivation and you can't always trust certain certifications either as the standards to meet them are often incredibly low and don't actually ensure adequate pay or good treatment of the workers. Again, on the Food Empowerment Project website, there's a list of recommended suppliers, so that's really useful. There's so much else on the website as well, information on production of bananas for example and commercial fishing which is a massive thing with dead zones in the ocean, plastic, the problems of mercury, there's also information about factory farms, environmental racism, fast food, GMOs, veganism and so much more. So it's a really great resource if you're looking to find out more information and great tips to put in place to move forward as well. The reality is that the further away from home that our food comes, the less chance we have of knowing its origins and its impact on its native environment and workforce. This is not to say that we all have to avoid any food that can't be grown near us, although in an ideal world that would be incredible. 
but we don't live in an ideal world so I guess we just have to try and do what we can and this is definitely a powerful reason to consider what we purchase and how much. For example, for avocados and crops like pineapples and bananas, we can seek out a fair trade label. This helps to ensure that the producer's working conditions and pay is better than most in their industry. However, isolated from fair trade, organic standards themselves don't guarantee a living wage, let alone freedom from company harassment for anyone who raises that topic. So yeah, looking for fair trade where you can and trying to buy locally are really the great options. Another area where working conditions are really severe are for slaughterhouse workers. Many workers suffer from PTSD, incredibly poor, unsanitary and dangerous working environments as well. I wanted to share with you some of the accident reports that were filed by the Occupational Safety and Health Administration from meatpacking plants because it's really horrific to see. So there's an employee that was hospitalised for neck laceration from a flying blade. An employee was killed when their arm got caught in a meat grinder. An employee decapitated by the chain of a hide puller machine. An employee was killed when their head was crushed in a hide fleshing machine. And the list goes on. It's really, really awful that these things are happening and it's not a one-off either. They really are incredibly dangerous, horrific working conditions that these workers are exposed to. And I think sometimes we can think that if we're buying local, that these practices aren't happening. But actually, nowadays, there are very few local slaughterhouses. So the majority of them are on these massive scales where these poor working conditions are in place. So it goes to show that within animal agriculture and kind of mass intensive farming situations and in slaughterhouses they aren't only horrific for the animals but it's also a massive human rights issue workers being exploited to awful environments so yeah I wanted to make this point for people who maybe see veganism as something that's just about the animals but actually it's about the people and the environment too But going a little bit into animal ethics, if this is something you want to know more about, roughly 60 billion land animals and over a trillion marine animals are used and killed as commodities every year. A billion is a thousand million. You have to times that again by 60, and that's how many animals are slaughtered every year. And then on top of that, another trillion or over a trillion of aquatic animals, it's an extortionate number. In 2016, almost a billion birds were farmed for food in Britain. 95% of these were indoor intensive farm settings and only 3.4% were actually free range and 1% organic. So that to me is crazy. I would never have thought that the percentage of free range was so incredibly low. And I wanted to just point out here as well that free range isn't always the ideal that people would like to think it is. Because the chickens are fed so quickly and pumped with growth hormones, the speed at which they grow, their legs can't actually support their weight. So although free range chickens may be in a barn with a door open at the end of it, they may not ever actually be able to go outside because they can't move in order to. The life of an animal on a factory farm is characterised by acute deprivation, stress and disease. 
and this is according to the Humane Farming Association. Also, I found this out when researching into this, which I thought was just so alarming and really awful, is that cannibalism is particularly prevalent in the cramped confinement of pigs and laying hens. And rather than allowing more room for them, so this doesn't happen, so it's now common practice to cut off their beaks instead. And the beaks of chickens contain more nerve endings than our fingertips, so they're incredibly sensitive. And I just think that is so inhumane and a really awful practice to be happening just for the sake of us acquiring a taste that we find pleasurable at the extent of causing this much suffering to other living beings. I just, yeah, I just can't understand why why we do that. So as well as this, they're exposed to rampant disease, toxic chemicals from faeces that isn't cleared away, and also being pumped with growth hormones, like I said before, causing them to grow so quickly that actually their legs end up breaking and they can't even move. And also many animals are killed whilst they're still conscious. So this idea of humane slaughter, what even is humane slaughter, I guess? And I know that this can be a really difficult thing to start looking into because you don't want to believe that you're doing something or contributing to something that's unethical, but really, how can you kill something humanely? When I was reading a book called Eat Like You Care by Gary L. Francione and Anna Charlton, I found some really resonant quotes that really helped me start questioning things a lot more so I just thought I'd share them. Many of us are enjoying the results of animal suffering and death but we don't enjoy the actual process of suffering and death. The fact that we pay others to impose the suffering and death on animals does not get us off the moral hook and I think this is a really important point. You know so many of us we consume these products and enjoy these products, but not many of us would be prepared to actually kill another animal in order to get that. And I think if you aren't prepared to kill another animal and see the suffering that happens, why would you be supporting a business, forcing other people to do the same? Another point that really resonated with me was that Criminal law is very clear that it doesn't matter whether you pull the trigger or whether you hire someone to pull the trigger. It's murder in both cases. We treat them the same legally because from a moral point of view, they are the same. And it's a moral fact that inflicting unnecessary suffering is wrong. And as far as I can see, eating and exploiting animals is unnecessary. So how can we think that it's okay to do that? I think it can become so easy to be disconnected when you're shopping and not being encouraged to think about the processes behind the products sitting in front of you, which may look incredibly appetising and like something you'll really enjoy. You can become really disconnected from what actually happened. Observing the reality that surrounds the production and consumption of food and clothing that's very well disguised is really shocking to see and very upsetting but avoiding it doesn't make it go away. And I think that's important to remember. I think it can be more comfortable for us to not look into these things because when we do, it is really hard to see and horrible to think that you're contributing to these unethical practices. 
but not looking into them doesn't stop them from happening and yeah I can't bring myself to keep living in a world that's doing these things and me being an active part in that and I wanted to share another quote with you um, that really had a massive part to play in changing my mind from seeing veganism as something that was extreme and realising that actually the practices happening now are are extreme. So the quote is again from Sustainability Secret, which I would really recommend reading. It's incredibly factual, but also very human in the way it's written and very easy to connect with. And yeah, this quote says, I don't want to eat cruelty. I don't want to support an industry responsible for the decimation of our rainforests, the spreading of dead zones in the ocean the draining of our finite fresh water supply and the depletion of our land. I don't want to support an industry that imprisons and kills living beings. I finally had to face up to the fact that all my life I'd been living in a way that did not reflect my own deeply held values regarding compassion, violence, injustice and life itself. The way I had been living my life was a betrayal of my own core beliefs and it was time to change that. And for me, I find that so powerful. This idea of living your life in a way that doesn't align with your values. And once you recognise that, there's really no option but to change your actions to actually be more in line with your core beliefs. Because that's so important. Living with that kind of conflict is a really difficult place to be in. And again, if you think your choices don't matter, remember that our consumption of products asks the producers to continue to create them, to harm and exploit whether this is humans or animals or both. By consuming products that are made through exploitative practices of humans and or animals, we're creating more of a demand for these practices to continue. That's why it's so crucial that we unearth these things so that we can actually make choices that align with our values. If going vegan is something that you have considered or maybe now are starting to consider, I just want to ask what is holding you back from giving it a try? Any questions or worries that you have, feel free to drop me a message, I'd love to talk to you. And if a big one of these questions is whether you can be healthy on a vegan diet, there's so much evidence supporting that we can live healthily on a vegan diet. And there are actually many health benefits when you eat a nutritionally adequate vegan diet. There's a doctor called Michael Greger, and he's a plant-based doctor, and he has a website called nutritionfacts.org. And this is a really useful website that if you have any questions about whether you can be healthy on a vegan diet, this is a really useful place to go. And again, if you want any advice, support or have any questions, feel free to drop me an email or message me on Instagram at a little bit of Largum. I really am more than happy to offer you any advice, talk about my experiences and challenges and yeah, just give you a bit of support because it can be really hard at first. Maybe try adopting one habit a week or until it really sticks and then add in something else. Maybe start with what feels manageable maybe trying to go meat-free for however many times of the week, or trying shopping at your local greengrocers. See what swaps you can make in the supermarket, for example, finding a palm oil-free alternative or a meat-free alternative. And rather than getting a takeaway from a fast food restaurant, why not support a local business and order dinner from there, 
or make your own version of your favourite takeaway to save on waste. So talking about these things really does bring up a lot of extremes and overwhelm. But what we need to be doing is focusing on the ways we can try to bring about more balance and sustainability. You may argue that it's extreme to be trying to avoid things or remove them from your life. But actually, when what you're avoiding are the extreme practices that have become so normalised by society, you're actually moving towards a more balanced, sustainable and mindful way of living. We really need to become aware of the extremes that are currently in play in our lives in order to be able to find a way of living more rooted in this balance and more in line with our values in a way that works for us. It's so easy to fall into buying what's convenient and cheaper and not think about other aspects. We aren't all in a position where we can afford to buy local all the time or buy more sustainable ethical produce, but there are ways that we all can do something and it just goes back to considering what you really need and if it's a luxury, is it really worth buying at the expense of another living being suffering and exploitation? I want to reiterate the quote by athlete and civil rights activist Arthur Ashe which is, start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. Consider too that when you make positive shifts, it contributes to a shift in quality of life. One where you're not only gaining and maintaining better physical and psychological health, but you're also helping the people who make your food have the same quality of life as you do, while conserving marine and forest wildlife and doing your part in mitigating the effects of climate change. Foodpower.org has really useful advice and information on what we can do, and I'll put all of the links in the blog related to this episode. I really hope that this information has been useful. I know it's a lot to take in, and a lot of quite shocking information, and I know it's really hard to look into. I think once you start to see it, it's really difficult to unsee it, and... That's when I think you hit the point where you know that these changes in our lives need to be made. And there are a lot of things that we can do, and they can be simple little things that we bring in, and they really do make such a difference, and I can't stress that enough. I know I keep saying it, but I really do mean it, and all of us, we need to feel like what we do does make a difference. So that's it for today's episode. I really hope that the information and tips have been useful. And again, remember, you don't have to do everything all at once. It's about making it a sustainable practice in your life and doing what you can to help others and the planet. If you have any questions, thoughts or information you'd like to share, you can email me at alittlebitoflargan at gmail.com or message me on Instagram at alittlebitoflargan. I'd really love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening and speak to you again soon. Bye.